It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids Christmas is long, long ago. Tanner's gonna win it! It's World Junior Gold in Toronto! This wonderful time of the year. Tavares backhand towards the goal, loose puck, everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? It's the most wonderful time of the All right, everybody, welcome back to the Pucks and Deep podcast, episode 73. Josh Coleman and Adam Lesko here on a pretty chilly December 22nd evening here at the farm. And we're loaded up, as you can tell, off the hop. Lesko, some of those highlights really get me going. Oh, big time. And Gordon Miller's calls, some of those just ring in my head. Just when you hear World Juniors. You hear Gord Miller's voice just echoing in your brain in some of those epic, epic calls. and They never get old, some of those. Like, and, and the top tens, the highlight packs, I can't get enough of them. I know, every year. I can't wait to watch them. I can't wait to hear the amazing calls. Speaking of amazing calls, without further ado, we welcome in Sirius XM Channel 91, NHL Network Radio, or something like that, Tyler Mataraz to the program. Welcome back, Ty. Good to hear your voice, buddy. Yeah, good to join you boys again. And as you were just saying, Josh, that uh, absolutely fired me up. Just just hearing those calls and just brings you back to some of those memories in the World Juniors, doesn't it? Like, good call in, uh, putting that Kyle Wellwood highlight in there, too. Like, I'm pretty sure that's one of the uh, most amped up uh, plays I've ever seen. I think I was like 12 years old when he was on the World Junior team, but uh, that was a memorable one. But uh, love the intro. I feel like I'm coming on TSN here, guys. Had a boy. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, we are big time in it now, right? With the guest lineup <laughs> that we're boasting here. And we really appreciate your time, Ty. You're one of those guys that really, uh, you know, puts us up on another level here for our faithful listeners that are, uh, you know, actually increasing by by the episode. So really happy that you have time to join us. And I'm surprised you have time. I thought you'd be out buying a bunch of toilet paper and stuff. Oh no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not heading over to Food Basics and uh, and clearing off the shelves like some uh, nutbags out there do. But you know what? To, to each his or her own. But. No, just here uh, sitting in front of the TV watching some uh, exhibition games for the World Juniors, guys. Switzerland and Austria doesn't get much better than this, doesn't it? Well, believe it or not, you can actually bet on those games, too. I saw a couple, uh, <laughs> some odds on those pre-tournament uh, low-seed games there, and I thought, hmm, I guess there's one way to make it interesting. I'll bet you guys Jake Hahn bets on these uh, exhibition games. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to ask you. I, said, I was just going to ask you if you thought your buddy Jake Hahn was going to be getting some of that action. The guy just can't uh, get enough. No, probably not. You know what? I don't think he's a big uh, exhibition guy. Like, I, you know what? If there was nothing, if there was like 
NHL hockey on like there was supposed to be at this time. If there wasn't a pandemic, I'd obviously be getting ready to watch some NHL games. But you, you can never usually catch me watching like preseason games. But when we haven't had hockey since the Stanley Cup was handed out back in September, uh, I think all of us and all of your listeners are, are probably just itching for some hockey. And uh, anything right now would catch my eye. Well, I mean, not not to bring up such a bleak topic here off the off the call with you Ty but it's it seems so strange right now because you got if you're a big time hockey fan like we all are here on the Pucks and D podcast uh you're pumped up right now about the return of the NHL and then you're getting kicked in the pants by the lockdown like what a what a strange feeling like how, what's the feel like down in your, in your area right now how are people taking this yeah you know it is tough but uh once that official announcement was made on Sunday like like you guys probably just sitting on your couch watching football and the official announcement comes underway. But yeah, it's tough, obviously still with the lockdown and people for the most part in a lot of the markets, not being able to go to games and even at the world junior tournament, guys, not seeing fans in Edmonton at a world juniors. Like, are you kidding me? It's just going to be a weird situation. But for, for where I am down here, like, Another thing, it's December. We're almost getting into the new year, and like you're not allowed to play shinny anywhere. Like that for me is just uh, one of the weirdest things for me right now. That's going on during this uh, during this pandemic. Did you see those guys getting arrested? In uh, yeah. was it in Calgary? I think. Yeah, it's funny. That was you know Ozzy Weisblatt who was drafted by the San Jose Sharks. It was a cool story. Like his whole family did this awesome uh, piece. I think it was on Sportsnet where like his mom's deaf, so they did this signing piece, and uh, it was actually. Uh, the assistant GM there in San Jose who announced the pick like with sign language. And I, and right away in that video, I was like, they're yelling at this kid. And his name was Ocean. And I'm like, that has to be Ozzy Weisblatt's brother. Like, there's probably no other kid named Ocean in Alberta. And yeah, right. it was. It was Ozzy Weisblatt's brother who's, who played some high-level hockey. So yeah, that was absolutely nuts that he got arrested for that. But uh, ho- hopefully everything's okay. Hopefully the charges get dropped and whatever because the boys are just trying to play some shinny you know i know right it seems crazy that we're at a time right now where it's illegal to be playing shinny in canada yeah and i know they mentioned in the most recent announcements that they said that parks and rinks were going to stay open at least uh, speaking in terms of ontario Uh, i noticed they've started flooding a couple of the pads around here but what they haven't done is is put the full circle of boards on they've only been putting boards on the end so i guess that's a a shinny deterrent or or what but i mean i i've been getting a few videos there in the instagram feed of people cruising around those crisply frozen lakes and stuff so we might just have to hit the backcountry with our blades i think boys to to get out and take a rip well well what's it like up in your area guys like obviously i'm down in the city in toronto like you guys are a bit further what northeast of where I am a bit like how is it up there is it the same thing here like you're not allowed to play shinny Uh, you know as of I guess as of the new rules yeah I guess now we're not and obviously the rinks are going to be closed as well and uh, another one of detriment kind of to the holiday season is the ski hills are actually closed Uh. While the ones on the Quebec side apparently are staying open, so there, I know there's a, some unhappy resorts there in our area uh, that would normally host a lot of people over the holiday season. But, you know, things had been pretty, I want to say normal. Like, we're in a green zone here. So, you know, it, it, as as hectic of things have gotten in southern Ontario and, and bits of the city of Ottawa, it's it feels a, a little bit like a slap to us anyway because – the numbers are so low, and then now all of a sudden the entire province is is getting put you know put in this situation where 
everything's going to change and, and everything's kind of go back, I guess, to what it was in the spring, except it's more bleak because the days are shorter and <laughs> the weather's colder and it's winter. But, you know, thank God, at least we got the World Juniors around the corner and, and finally, finally, some NHL coming our way. I just think the tough thing is like people are itching to do something, especially if you're an active person. Like uh, I know you guys are as well. Like uh, I play hockey usually two nights a week and yeah, it's tough. It's a different time. Like people that go to the gym can't go to the gym. I I feel for them as well. But for me, my exercise usually in the winter is going out to the shinny rink and, and just playing hockey. So it's tough. You know what? It's tough to complain about it because people are going through such worse things than not being able to go and skate around and shoot a puck into a net. But when you really are kind of just sitting around all day after work and trying to find something to do to to really just keep your body active. Yeah, it's tough. So uh, I actually, what was it, earlier this week, I had to go, I don't know if you guys have been to Toronto Island before, but you got to take the ferry uh, just from a part of downtown right near uh, where the Leafs play got to take the ferry over to the island and uh, i ended up going to play on a a little pond over there so no cops on the island guys so uh, we ended up getting to play some shinny there nice that's always nice to get away with it and you know one thing we're getting away with here is it seemed pretty bleak like lesko was saying earlier and i'm talking about the return to play it seemed bleak for a little bit there when Mm -hmm. the negotiations were basically not happening at all and then kind of quickly it was like okay uh never mind we were just kidding we 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 don't we didn't mean what we said earlier we'll just kind of operate under what we said we would do in the summer uh but now we're we're back to it and it looks like lesko said you know we're gonna have world juniors coming up here and then shortly after that we got the return of the nhl season so I was wondering, have have you had a chance to see the breaking news yet about the offside rule? I have, yeah. And and you know what? It did sound bleak. And the NBA kind of put the NHL to shame, didn't it? Like the NBA came together so quickly. They all agreed, like the Players Association and the NBA agreed fairly quickly. And you're just thinking as a hockey fan, you're like, man, when, when are they going to get this done? We, and every single tweet, I know you guys follow them as well from like Drager and McKenzie and LeBron, right. Chris Johnson, whoever, like every single tweet pretty much was just a nothing tweet. Like, oh, like they're talking in a couple of days. They talk today. It's like, yeah, but like, have they agreed upon anything? You kind of just wanted answers. And uh, like, I guess just doing shows for us, you're pretty much just speculating every single day until an official announcement is made. So that was tough. But yes, did see the breaking news. I think that's exciting for a lot of us hardcore hockey fans. Like finally, your skate doesn't have to be touching the ice like you guys play hockey it's a ridiculous rule it was a ridiculous ridiculous rule in the national hockey league that the, the plane wasn't put in place years and years ago like remember that matt duchene offside where he was like four feet offside where the refs got that wrong that was obviously just because there was no review at that time but we've seen multiple offsides last season the season before going back three or four seasons where a goal would have counted but the player's skate was up off the ice and uh, alongside the plane of the blue line. So I'm glad they finally figured that out. Um, probably wasn't a part of the negotiations, but that was one of those back burner things. I guess they were talking about that us as hockey fans didn't really know in, until it came out today. Yeah, I don't want to ask you a loaded question. So I'll wait to hear what your thoughts are before I give you mine around the fact that the word plane appears in quotation marks. I was wondering if, if that <laughs> struck your, your eye as well. It really stood out to me. I'm wondering what you make of that. Yeah, I, I did catch my eye. I just hope plane isn't subjective to like the referees. I, I think that's the first thing. It was just like, why is it in quotation marks? But uh, I think we can all agree, like the first part of the blue line. So uh, I guess like they, they outlined it in the video. If you just go, you can check it out at SiriusXM NHL. We tweeted it out actually. 
but uh, they, they detailed it pretty well uh, where that actual plane is. But it caught my eye, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal. It's fairly obvious once these offside plays will go to review that the guy's skate was up in the air. Like now you're just thinking like, did the even the blade of his skate, is it over the blue line? Like you can pretty much see, especially with all the cameras now, there's cameras that us as fans watching on television don't even see like I have a buddy that works down in Scotia Bank Arena and he says yeah we don't even see some of the the views on television that they use up in the room so um, that's just another thing where they'll have even more views probably this year with more cameras coming into place that's uh, that they can use for these reviews you see it's funny Ty I, I think I feel I have a maybe I might be in the minority here but I, I'm hoping that this rule change is something that can really kickstart any like an evolution of the game you know away from review and more towards hockey plays that are deemed to be good or illegal by the officials who are officiating the game so like when we had the skate on ice rule and then we implemented review we basically took all the responsibility away from our linesmen because we don't even Mm -hmm. break up they're not breaking up fights anymore either so all you guys are doing is skating around, grabbing pucks and dropping them. <laughs> so, you know, the, the review not only took their responsibility away, I felt that it also exposed the linesmen for poor calls. So now what I'm hoping for is the fact that it's in quotations. I'm hoping that means that it is discretionary for the linesman to say, I like that play. I don't care that he was so slightly off. And if we get a ruler, an imaginary ruler and a laser beam, we, we might determine that he was, no, the fact is plain. He was good. The play that I saw was good. And if they're going to review that, then I still think it allows all the officials to get together and say, yeah, Bill, you made the right call. That is a great play. And everyone just goes good goal. That for me would be the extent of the review. And I hope that long-term it allows more of a constant flow of action with players who aren't really a part of the play whatsoever. They're, they're deemed ineligible by the linesman who makes a call that the play is onside because that guy has nothing to do with the play and he's only a foot off. So I'm waving it as a good play. Like I hope it evolves to something like that. You think it has to, right? And I like the use of Bill, by the way, Josh. Uh, what are you? Is that a Bill McCreary reference? Uh, <laughs> I, had, I didn't NHL have it referee? in mind. Like, I didn't have it in yeah. mind, but McCreary shot out right after I said it. <laughs> no, Bill. Bill's a solid name. That's a good old Canadian name, uh, Bill. But yeah, you know what? I, I echo all the sentiments you do. It's true. Like, I think it'll end up evolving to that. And you're right. Like the linesman, once review was really brought in, like you're right. They're they're just going to, you know what? They're going to pick up pucks and they're they're calling offsides and stuff. But like. Man, the linesman's job is almost worse now. Like the way that they they don't drop the puck, then they fake to drop the puck, and like you're almost thinking, like, do we even need linesmen on the ice at this point? Seriously, like, like if if we have review, you can have two referees on the ice and maybe a third referee upstairs, up in the booth, not even like down on ice level that might be calling off sides. Like they can figure it out. They have the technology. Like, do you really need four linesmen or four referees in total on the ice now? with the game evolving, with the game being so fast. And as you said, the linesmen aren't breaking up any fights anymore. Are we kidding me? And even if if there are fights, they're in there breaking them up after like 15 seconds. Like we're not seeing long fights anymore. So to me, like you might even see linesmen not even be a a part of NHL hockey in years. Like we're not talking in the near future, but 10 years down the road, like do you really need four guys out there? Um, It's kind of getting crowded, especially with the the speed of the game. So um, I, I just like that they brought this in. 
uh, it's about time, honestly. Like once this review is in and you have things happening on the ice that don't affect the play or the goal at all. I think that's the big thing for me too. Like, like a guy's making a line change in the zone and the door unfortunately is in the offensive zone and he's getting off and he's outside. I think it happened to like Gabe Landeskog last year. I don't know if that was in the playoffs or not. Yeah, it was. Um, it was huge. Yeah, it was in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And, and it happened to Landeskog, but like it had nothing to do with the play and, and you kind of have to make that to the discretion of the linesman. Like, yeah, he, he was offside, but it, like his foot was up in the air and he was getting off the ice, and, and maybe he didn't do it quick enough to, to his dismay, and that was tough. He was the captain. He's the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. He should have had a bit more hustle on that one, but uh, plays like that, like you just have to leave it up to the linesman to their discretion, so happy that they finally brought this in. Yeah, it's about time, and, and you know we talked about this a lot, multiple episodes, I think, throughout the course of our show, and, and, and it's it, it goes back to what you said, like, when they brought in that video review, I said, well, get rid of the linesman. Put a couple laser beams on the blue line then because you've, you've neutered them essentially. There isn't any discretion there. There isn't any, you know, they're getting overruled and we're having all these constant reviews over plays and turning over goals, you know, for a league that says they want more scoring. You know, we're canceling out goals for, for nonsensical things like you said, plays that don't affect uh, the outcome of the goal or something as simple as escape being in the air. So I, I think it's a good progression. It's something that is finally caught up to the video review rule. Now, I guess one other question for you, Ty, and, and you probably looked into this a little closer than I did, but um, will there be some discretion left to the referee with regards to control of the puck when the offside or not offside is taking place? So say the skate is up in the air, but there is a, uh, a debate as to whether or not that player had proper control of the puck at the time, say, the pass was received. Yeah, I, I think there will be, and uh, there should be. Like, it, it's all it's all the discretion of the, the linesman, and it all comes down to that. So uh, at the end of the day, we're probably going to see those close plays. Like, we might not see too many. It's unfortunate that there are so many reviews when, as you guys said, scoring's trying to be up. We're, we're trying to uh, have as many goals as we can in a game, but, like, it is up to those linesmen, but it's funny you mentioned that, uh, Lesko, like that you said that on a previous episode. Because as I said, like I don't think we see these linesmen on the ice like that much longer. And I'm just, as I said, I'm watching this like Switzerland Austria game. Like I've already seen a couple times where like the linesman's gone down to drop the puck, and then nope, oh, the players both go in and and go to win the draw, and he didn't drop it, and then he fakes it again. It's just like at this point, I think it's it's pretty unnecessary to have the lines have been on the ice with all these reviews that are going to be happening. And I like how you brought that up because that's always been a frustrating point of mine, especially as a fan. You're, you're watching the Leafs. It's a tense game, 3-3 in the third period, and you got three fake drops before both centers are kicked out, and then all of a sudden you got a defenseman in there or, or whoever taking some very critical draw in the game. And and uh, I, I, you know, I, I hate to... to point to the man, but he did really nail it on one of his segments. But uh, Mr. Cherry went off on the linesman about that uh, <laughs> several times, I believe. But one, one thing that really made me laugh was he called them failed refs for not dropping the puck. Which is obviously incredibly insulting, but it was just goes to show you how fed up he was with that. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Failed refs. So every time I see that, all I can think is these guys are just power grabbing out there because they this is all they have left. They took the offsides from them. They can't break up fights anymore. All they got is that puck drop, and then they, they just go off on it, basically. 
I remember that tangent. And as you were just speaking, it happened again where a linesman like dropped the puck and it didn't actually happen. So <laughs> it's already happening too much. And we're in the exhibition games oh. of the World Juniors. So we can't even imagine um, how many of those like fake drops we're going to see once the National Hockey League comes back. But yeah, I actually, I do remember that Don Cherry segment. Failed refs. I don't know about that. I think that's just Don Cherry being Don Cherry. Yeah. Like uh, I'm not in the ref or linesman world, but you know what? Some guys might want to be linesmen they, they want might not want the pressure of calling penalties like, it's a tough job we've seen it just watching hockey like calling penalties in a game where there's like eighteen thousand people in the building in a playoff game or something like is a really tough job so i, I think a linesman might be almost even a better job uh if you're trying to be a referee just lastly on that point Ty, i wanted to ask you if you thought that it was a surprise or if this was something that's been in the works, seeing as how they announce it, you know, December 22nd, puck drop is supposed to be January 13 here, and they're making a rule change for this year. So, like, is it kind of surprising that it comes this late, or is it just something that was a matter of time? Well, I, I think to us, just as hockey fans, it's a surprise. Like, I'm in the same, like, area as you guys. Like, I'm not much in the know just because, like, I'm working on the radio side of things. We're not told anything. So uh, to me, it's a surprise just as a hockey fan. But you got to think this has at least been in the works for a year. Like whenever they have those board of governors meeting guys and the GM's meetings down in Florida at those big, nice hotels where they have them and you get TSN going down to broadcast and have a nice little mini vacation during those GM meetings. Like th these are the things that they talk about down there. So it's probably just one of the, the many things they talked about at the last uh, GM meetings. And it, it probably came to the forefront on a front burner because so many of the GMs wanted to see it switch. Like we can imagine if we were in the GM chair or even as a head coach on an NHL team, it, it's one of the things you want changed. And I'm sure we'll probably see rule changes. Maybe not before, like we're not probably not going to see another one before the season starts on January 13th, but uh, heading into next year in the 21, 22 season when Seattle comes in, we'll, we'll probably see another one or two. Well, something that we are scheduled to see tomorrow is the schedule. And I know that you are a homework kind of guy. So you probably pour over the schedule every year, the moment that it comes out. I myself, I don't get that into it, but I have never been more interested in the releasing of a schedule than I am for this schedule. I can't wait to see the madness. I can't wait to see the back-to-backs and the home-and-homes and the amount of times that we're going to be playing this team and that team. Like it's, it's crazy. I mean, are you looking forward to it? Tomorrow, I think it's coming out, eh? I'm very pumped. Yeah, we've already seen some things like filter out. Obviously, Tampa's going to raise raise their Stanley Cup banner uh, on the first night on January 13th. I think they might be playing Chicago. It's maybe not the best matchup uh, where Chicago is right now, but could be a Tampa Chicago. But you know what? Just let's talk about the North Division. Like, I'm just pumped to see a lot of those games. Like, how many nights in a row are we going to see the Battle of Alberta on consecutive occasions? Like, will we see Edmonton Calgary like three nights in a row or? or three times in four days or something like that. Like you can sign me up for that. We're probably seeing Toronto and Montreal on night one of the season. Um, we might, I think we might see the St. Louis blues on night one. They're an exciting team out there in the, in the West, but man, like Toronto, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, the, the matchups and the intensity really hasn't been there for the last couple of years. I think you guys would agree, but with as, with as many as 10 matchups between those teams this year, like these games are going to get intense. Like if sometimes we see bad blood, like, man just thinking of one like a Vander Kane does something with Ryan Reeves and then you got to wait like two months for them to to face off against each other like we're not we're not gonna have to wait long this season which I think is is one of the best parts especially with a lot of those rivalries like even the battle of Pennsylvania um uh, between Pittsburgh and Philly like if something happens between the two teams on Friday 
you're not going to have to wait three weeks for that to happen. Like you're probably going to see those teams match up again on Saturday. And, uh, and maybe we'll see lines been breaking up even more fights this year, guys. I think that's one of the best features we have about this, uh, I guess, unfortunate situation where we've uh, had to realign the entire NHL for this season. But I mean, we, we've really got some positive out of this. And, and one being, I would say this Canadian division where, you know, as, as Maple Leafs fans, we're going to see more Connor McDavid and, and Matthew Kachuk and Elias Pettersson. And, you know, as, as uh, like you said, the rivalries and this almost baseball-like structure where these teams are going to play each other repeat, repeatedly in the span of three or four days, we're going to have that bad blood brew and that, that rivalry or almost that playoff-like um, repeat uh, competition where you, you learn something and you develop a, a grudge against that guy and the other team who you've been matched up against constantly. So it's, it's a great positive. And I'm hoping that, you know, if, and maybe I get your opinion on this, but do you think this is something if, you know, say it is successful and they do find a way to gauge the interest, do you think this is something they might try and replicate in the future, even if we go back to the old divisional uh, formats? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's honestly the first thing you think of. Like, I think people, hardcore hockey fans, are going to get an appetite for maybe teams playing each other a bit more. And and, and when you get, like, uh, teams that play each other a lot that aren't really rivals, the games are still pretty good, but they're not as intense as the Battle of Alberta, say, or or Toronto-Montreal or Toronto-Ottawa when those games really meant something, when those teams are really good. But I think we'll have an appetite for it. Do I think these divisions will stick? I don't think that's a possibility. We'll obviously go back to the regular divisions, but maybe you do see teams play more back-to-backs or or maybe three times during a weekend, like a Friday, Saturday, and then maybe a Monday. I don't know how they'll end up playing it out, but I I think with... With a yeah, a lot of new division rivals kind of forming. Like even in that West Division, guys. Like I love watching Anaheim, LA, or Anaheim, San Jose, or LA, San Jose. Like those games are intense. Uh, and the nightcaps for us, obviously, on the East Coast, man. But like we're gonna see those teams, those three teams, especially in California, that probably won't end up making the playoffs. But those games might be some of the most intense ones out there in that West Division. So. Uh, we'll probably see an appetite for it as the season maybe comes to an end where people are like, man, that season was actually really, really intense. But um, uh, unfortunately, probably won't see these divisions uh, ever again. Well, I think what it really does, Ty, it it allows you to... How can I word this correctly? Like, it allows you to benefit from something that that already happened. So instead of selling the replay, you're selling tomorrow's ticket based on the replay like look at the sweet thing that happened last night or look at this crazy replay from last night oh yeah we're back at it again yeah, tonight in case you missed it in case you again. missed it get your ticket because there's still a few games left. marketing themselves almost the game is marketing themselves the series is marketing itself the rivalry is either being rekindled or even developed out of thin air like i mean i feel I know I know it's been said before I'm not breaking any walls here but like the Leafs could develop something with Vancouver here you know I mean they're kind of they're mm-hmm. kind of similar almost like they could develop something there and that could take off. So, I mean, there's lots to be uh, thankful for here with hockey coming back and I think it's going to be a, an interesting year. I just think it's perfect for us in this industry, like the broadcasting industry, radio, television, like you always hear the storylines, like we're hungry for storylines on on shows, right? And people are hungry for storylines out there that are listening to shows. And sometimes you're like, yeah, like those two teams play again on November 12th. And you're, you're like, you're still a month away from it. You're like, man, I got to wait a month to like 
see this fight between these two players. Like, remember the goalie fight in the Battle of Alberta last year? It was like, once that happened, I'm like, I want to see Calgary and Edmonton play again, again. to see what happens. Yeah. Like, Tomorrow. Well, yeah. <laughs> so when these things happen, like, we have an appetite for it as fans. I think in any sport that goes, but especially hockey when, when fighting is allowed. So, and just to touch on fighting a little, like, I'm pro fighting. I think hockey, uh, fighting still has a place in hockey. Um, I don't think that the bench brawls or the line brawls are going to happen too much anymore uh, with the way that the game is going and, and how the, the game is just so much more skilled and there's smaller guys that are on each team. But, man, these rivalries could get super intense. And, and you said it, Josh, like Toronto-Vancouver could just be one example. But we could see other ones. Like, do we see other ones in the West? Like, can Arizona find, like, a, a viable um, rival? Like, they don't really have one. The Coyotes don't really have a rival. Like, can they find one out there? Can Detroit and Chicago, who now are in the same division, I think, since 2013 when things got changed up. Like, Detroit and Chicago games used to be intense. Like, can they rekindle that? I know rosters are new, and it's not really the same hockey as seven, eight years ago, but maybe Detroit and Chicago can can get something going again. But, man, this is going to be a really fun season. You almost wish it was January 13th tomorrow. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, lastly, before we move on, what is the over-under on regulation losses going to be set at for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Wow, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, you know I'm not a huge gambling guy, but regulation losses are right, in a 56 game season. I don't like 12. Is, is 12 a good 12 and a half a good number? Like it's pretty much what I had in my mind. I'd be actually. under. Yeah, yeah. You'd be under that. Holy, yeah. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I can't see the Tampa Bay Lightning losing too much. And let, let's, for argument's sake, say Kucherov's out for like the first two months. We still don't really know with that as we speak. But like, even if Kucherov's out, this team is is absolutely ridiculous. Andre Vasilevsky, to me, the best goalie in the world. Um, if Josh is saying under uh, Lesko, I might go go with like eleven as my number. I don't know about you guys, but I think I'll stick with eleven, maybe. Yeah, eleven, eleven and a half is a good number. Now, what's interesting, I guess, with about Tampa is they made a lot of uh, news there today as well in uh, signing Cernak and uh, I believe another guy. So they find themselves what six, seven million dollars over the cap right now. So. I guess my question to you, if you want to throw on the GM cap for a second, what the hell is coming? Because you got to figure there's some big moves and maybe not just Kucherov going on the LTIR. Yeah, that can't be the only move. And I don't want to see Kucherov. Like, I want him on my fantasy team, guys. I want to take yeah. him away from, from Josh when we do our fantasy draft. But, <laughs> um, like, yeah, if you're Julian Breezebot, it was nice to see him make the moves today. Yeah, you said Chernak got re-signed. Um, they re-signed Jan Ruda, who was an unrestricted free agent. So that was kind of surprising because if you're a Lightning fan, you're like, where are they getting all this money from? But there are millions and millions of dollars over the salary cap right now. Anthony Sorelli still has to be signed. One of my faves, Alex Volkov, has to be signed. Matthew Joseph have to be, has to be signed. They have another AHL restricted free agent. Like, are you kidding me? Julian Brisebois has like 10 days to figure this out before training camp. And Tyler Johnson hasn't moved yet. Alex Kalorn hasn't moved yet. I think the, the most talked about guy is Tyler Johnson just because of his salary but like where are you trading him and are you going to have to give up like a second round pick to deal this guy because teams aren't going to want to help you out like you're the defending Stanley Cup champions teams aren't just going to take Tyler Johnson and not want something in return because you're helping out the Tampa Bay Lightning big time if you're taking especially the full-on contract with no salary retained uh, for a guy like Tyler Johnson as one example so uh, I think guys by the new year, like by January 1st, uh, we will see Julien Brisebois and what he has up his sleeve. Supposedly he has something cooking. Don't know what that means, but we heard Steven Stamkos' name. Remember a while ago he put out there like that he might be moved. I know that was kind of just uh, a rumor out there, but like I think anything's really on the table at this point if you're Julien Brisebois. 
Well, I know it seems crazy to speculate because it's a it's a league that nobody really has boots on ground unless you're involved. So you don't really know unless you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is it fair to say that he has to lose whatever trade he's going to make because he can't just lose the trade. He has to definitely lose the trade because everyone knows he's desperate. When you figure if there was a chance to win on Tyler Johnson's trade, they would have already done it by now, right? Yeah, I think they would have, but you're right, Josh. Like They're going to have to lose this trade. Julian Breezeball doesn't want to. I don't think any GM wants to go out there and make a trade and say, oh, man, like we lost that trade. I don't think any GM's ever made a trade and thought that. So right. it just has to be the reality in this case. I think it's just taking so long because he just doesn't know what to do. Like, What do you do to get this team cap compliant? Lesko was just saying like they're close to $8 million, I think, over the salary cap right now. And one of your biggest players throughout that Stanley Cup run, and Anthony Sorelli, guys, I, I still think he'll turn out to be one of the better defensive centers in the National Hockey League, and he's still super young. Like This guy's won at every level, um, undersized guy growing up, and has made a name for himself already just a few seasons. And like, you got to pay this guy, but at this point, and where, where the Tampa Bay Lightning are, it doesn't seem like Anthony Sorelli's going to cash in just yet. Like Probably going to get a bridge deal. But so many moves need to be made. Like it's the most intriguing team for me throughout this offseason has been the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not just because they they won the Stanley Cup in such a weird season where there were two bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, just because of their salary cap um, uh, restraints. And we saw it with Chicago when they won their first cup. Like they had to make so many moves, they had to restructure their roster, and they were still an elite team for the next five, six, seven years after that. So uh, I think that's going to be the taste case with Tampa. We just have to wait and see what the moves are. I mean, it seems crazy to think that they're going to come right up against the clock to get this to get this sorted out. And I mean, a guy like Sorelli is not going to want to miss camp in no. in a in a COVID season with fifty six games, no exhibition, and coming off a cup. I mean, those guys are chomping at the bit to get out there. Yeah, no, he's he's not going to miss camp. That's for sure. It's just he's really waiting for his his GM to to do something. It's Julian Brisebois moving. You can say that about other RFAs too. Like it's Lou Lamorello's move on the island with Matt Barzell. It's Yarmo Kekalainen's move out there in Columbus with Pierre Luc Dubois. These guys don't have much time. Like all three of those teams we're talking about: Tampa, the Islanders, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're a playoff team, so yeah, they're they're starting their camps just a bit later than those seven non-playoff teams. But like as you said, you got to get the guys in and ready to go for camp. Like you're going to have up to 36 players at camp, and and you want those big names there. So. We will see them there, and I think that's why heading up to, let's just say, January 3rd when um, the majority of the teams in the National Hockey Leagues um, gather for their training camps, like, we're going to be treated, guys, to a ton of news. And, and just like 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 a, a random Connor Sherry signing or like a random um, Drake Kajula signing gets me excited, and I think we're going to have a lot of little things to get excited here as we uh, head past Christmas. Yeah, there's got to be a lot more to come, and I know because none of the aforementioned players play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's been zero speculation on offer sheets, but what do you make of that? Like, Do you think with Tampa really being up against it right now that there are teams that could potentially take a run, or do you think given the... the uh, current financial situation and constraints we're seeing in the NHL that it's just not even a thought on, on a lot of GM's minds. 
I think it's probably a thought on some general managers' minds, but I think if an offer sheet was to come for one of these more, I guess, quote-unquote, elite players, the better RFAs out there, don't want to call them really elite. I guess none of them are really elite superstars just yet, but I think those offer sheets would have come already. Uh, that Sebastian Alho offer sheet last year was obviously fun. Like It was exciting for us to talk about. Like Man, it, it, like you think the Montreal Canadiens are really going to get Sebastian Alho to sign with them, but no, it was matched fairly quickly. I, I just don't think... Um, and, and we're not GMs. We've never really been in the chair, but it's nice. I've got the fortune to work with a, a former GM on our show and Gord Stellick to talk to some former GMs. And it just doesn't really seem like as a GM in that chair, you'd want to really tarnish a relationship. And, and some of them might not take it personally. Business is business in the National Hockey League, but you don't want to go out of your way to really try and screw another guy and, and make him overpay uh, maybe let's just say a $6 million player. And then if you have the money and you can offer sheet, offer him $9 million. You don't want to see them go out and do that. So that's why I just don't think an offer sheet right now in, in this COVID-type world is in the cards for a lot of the general managers. But um, I, I, I kind of hope one comes. I, I don't think one will come, but it would just make things exciting. Yeah, and you got Barzell as well out there with no deal. Pierre-Luc Dubois has no deal. So, I mean, now now that the, the ball has officially been rolling down the hill and, you know, we had a few things to dodge there, but now we look like we're ready to get going underway. So now is crunch time, right? So if we pretend it's a normal year, I mean, it's, it's you know, September 20th, I guess, or whatever, right? Leading up to the season. And well, I guess the camps would be on there. So you, you know what I mean, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. before the season, it's time to get it sorted out before camps start. So that this is kind of status quo, right? Like, I, I don't think people need to be looking into this too, too much. Like we had coronavirus and return to play and escrow and salary deferral. Like we had a lot of things to get over. Now that all that's done, let's start concentrating on, you know, individual players and their respective contracts. Or do you think it is time to panic for some of those fan bases? Um, I don't know if it's time to panic. It's tough to say because I think fan bases know that they trust their GMs, don't they? Like, I don't know if, if you guys have least fans trust your GM right now and Kyle Dubas, but you know what? Uh, fan bases out there trust their GMs. Like I think Lightning fans really trust Julian Brisbane and what he's done. He just brought a Stanley Cup to that city. And uh, you mentioned like Dubois, Barzell. I think those fan bases trust their general managers as well. So I don't think it's panic time. And as you said before, Josh, like it's the COVID world. Like you don't want to be missing camp if you're a top player on your team. Like if you're Pierre Luc Dubois, you're the number one center on the Columbus Blue Jackets, like it, your, your agent's going to be calling Yarmo Kekalainen if it's like January first uh, and training camp's two days away and you're without a deal and say, "Are you serious?" Like he's arguably the best player on your team and he still doesn't have a deal. Like we need to get this done. So that's why I don't think a lot of fans are out there are going to be panicking. It, it's just such a weird season and such a weird year going into this next NHL season that uh, we're not going to see like a William Nylander holdout situation or anything like that. Well, I'm glad us as Lee fans aren't being treated to any more contract stalemates and things Yay. of the like. It's nice to go into this season <laughs> on cruise control. Roster's pretty set up. Everything's established. Dubas even said at one point, I think we're done here. So it's uh, it's it's kind of nice. You know, we can actually look forward to the on-ice product and not worry about what's going on in the front office. Um, I think we should take it over to the World Juniors. And I know you're, uh, you're a big follower of a lot of uh, foreign prospects. So I was wondering what... You know, who are some of the players that you're looking forward to watch here? And, and, and I did want to get your opinions more specifically on uh, Amirov, the Leafs' uh, first-round draft pick. I know he's looking to be one of the uh, uh, bigger players 
pieces on that Russian t- hockey team. Yeah, I don't know how much time you guys have here, but uh, yeah, talking about t- talking about some of these prospects gets me uh, pretty excited for the tournament. And hey, man, you know, floor is yours. Thing, yeah, I'll start with one of them that I just watched in the first period here between Switzerland and Austria. It's Marco Rossi. Like, I, I still don't know how Marco Rossi fell to the Minnesota Wild in the draft. Like, yeah, he played for the Ottawa 67s. You guys have probably seen this guy play like up close and personal, but just watching. His highlights, watching what Marco Rossi can do with the puck, uh, I think I'm really excited. And it's unfortunate that, that he's playing on Austria. I don't think Austria is going to win many games. I hope they surprise us. But uh, the captain for us, Austria and Marco Rossi should be very, very exciting to watch throughout this tournament. But, uh, yeah, I'll touch on Amarov because uh, Russians are my favorite types of players. So I'm, I'm super pumped for this Russian team. Obviously not cheering for them when they play Team Canada, as you guys know. But um, Rodion Amarov, man, like, when this guy was drafted by the Leafs, I don't know about if you guys had the, the same thought. But you were just like, "All right, like, all right, this could work." Like, it was a pretty yeah, cool, ex- pr- yeah. pretty cool announcement by Riley and Marner. Like, who's this Amarov guy? Like, I've heard of him. I remember reading some of those mock drafts before the the draft, and I think a lot of them had him actually going to Edmonton a few picks after uh, Toronto's pick. So I uh, didn't really expect Kyle Dubas to go out and get him, but the Leafs have that Russian whisper. Um, um, scout that is pretty much in Russia 24-7, so we can't really be shocked about the pick for the Toronto Maple Leafs aspect, but this guy's unbelievable. Like, watching his highlights over the last few months, like, what this guy can do with the puck's nuts, like, it's crazy that he fell to the Leafs because he has so much skill, so uh, he's getting a good opportunity on this Russian team. He's been playing in the Continental Hockey League, so uh, a lot of these Russian players, they'll be ahead of the curve, especially to some of the Canadian or American guys that haven't really been playing. I know some of the American guys have been playing college hockey, but uh, this Russian team is going to have a step up on a lot of these other uh, elite prospects. So Amarov should be good. I think he's playing with Vasily Podkolzin, the Vancouver Canucks prospect to start the tournament. Uh, they should be fun to watch on the first line for Team Russia. Uh, if we head over to Canada, like how exciting is this team, guys? Like <laughs> the amount of prospects they have, like, we don't even need to talk about Kirby Doc, really. We saw him play with Chicago last year. He was great as a rookie. But, like, I think I'm most excited about Dylan Cousins. Like, I think Buffalo Sabres fans should as well. We saw him at the tournament last year. He won gold with Team Canada. And for me, I think Dylan Cousins was NHL-ready over a year ago. It's just the fit in Buffalo, the way the Buffalo Sabres are, are trending right now. It just really hasn't worked for Dylan Cousins to make his way to the NHL just yet. But... I think we'll see him full-time playing with the Buffalo Sabres after this tournament. So uh, Dylan Cousins is another name I'm looking forward to watching. So, Oh, and, and one more, you know what? I'll throw up Brad Lambert's name. I don't know if you guys um, have followed Brad Lambert, but uh, it's the son of Lane Lambert, uh, another NHL name from, what, back in the 80s in the NHL. But uh, Brad Lambert is Lane Lambert's son, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, hopefully you guys can fact-check me. But a 16, <laughs> Nobody will fact-check you on this show. A, a 16-year-old playing for Team Finland. Yes, a guy named Lambert is playing for Team Finland. You guys will I you'll kind of trip out at first being like, why is there a guy named Brad Lambert playing for <laughs> Team Finland? But uh yes, he um I think his mom is is Finnish actually. Um Lane Lambert married a Finnish woman, so um Finnish and Canadian citizenship, I guess, or it might be American, I can't remember, but this kid looks unbelievable. He's obviously not draft eligible for a couple of years, but you can imagine like the 16-year-olds we've seen play in this tournament have turned out to be superstars, and a lot of them, yes, are Canadian or, or maybe American, but uh, for a Finnish guy 
in Brad Lambert to make this team, which is a really, really good team at 16 years old, will say something. So uh, that's another player to look out for, number 33 on uh, Team Finland. Yeah, you always got to keep an eye out for the guys in cages because they they got to be somebody yeah. to be there. And, and chances are you're going to see them again the next year and then definitely on that draft board the following year from that. Um, I, I know Canada is an interesting case, and, and they're, they've got a very deep and, and high-powered offense on that team and, and obviously look like the favorite going into the tournament. But, uh, you know, I know everybody was projecting for a very uh, deep World Juniors in general and some of the better teams we've seen just given the current circumstances surrounding the NHL. Um, but there are a number of uh, big names obviously not showing up to the tournament this year. Uh, first overall pick Alexis Lafreniere being one of them. And of course, Nick Robertson, the Maple Leafs second round draft pick who tore it up in the OHL last year. Um, kind of what do you make of those guys not coming? You know, how, how much does that have to do with their uh projected roles in the NHL and then you know how much does it hurt for say like a team like USA who could probably use Robertson's scoring punch yeah it's a it's a good question starting with Lafreniere I was cool with it Uh, let him focus on the NHL he's the first overall pick he won a gold medal last year he was almost seriously injured too like when we were watching that game I thought Alexi Lafreniere was done for the tournament but came back uh, was great. You can argue was the best player on Team Canada. So uh, I was cool with that. They they already have so many good players and so much top end talent in their top six that uh, I think it was good for Lafreniere and the New York Rangers to just focus on the NHL season, especially the way the season will be. Um, just how weird it's going to be. But with Nick Robertson, I, I guess as as Leaf fans, for you guys, like I'll ask you this too. Like I don't know if you were disappointed or not, but uh, I kind of I'm okay with him just focusing on making the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's obviously going to be on the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's not being sent back to the OHL. Obviously, we saw him play in the playoffs and score his first NHL goal, but uh, I like this. And if, if I was doing my roster projection for the Toronto Maple Leafs, would I have had him in the top nine? Like, maybe not, just with the, how things are going right now with the Toronto Maple Leafs roster. But uh, I think this just shows from management and especially Kyle Dubas that uh, they see him as a vital part of this team and uh, they want to give him every opportunity to get to camp at the right time and and just really try for his spot in the top nine. If it's playing on the third line or if it's playing possibly in the top six with the Devars or Matthews, they want to get Nick Robertson ready for the for the National Hockey League. And sucks for Team USA, but uh, it sucks to suck, guys. We're not cheering for Team USA. Yeah, there you go. And it sounds like <laughs> given his high uh, level, his high level of talent, that the Leafs saw, see a lot of potential in him. But we actually asked the same question to Luke Fox of Sportsnet last week, and he had actually mentioned in an article he wrote, I believe, earlier in the week that, that it sounded like this was a player-driven decision, which I found very interesting because often we debate and we heard a lot of it after the uh, it became apparent that Robinson wasn't going to camp, that people were like, well, I don't think this is right for him and the wrong choice for his development. But yet it sounds as if Nick Robertson's sole focus right now is making the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I find I found that very interesting. And it just, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people want to go chase the medals and the glory, but uh, it, it, it sounds like, you know, he knows who's going to be paying the bills in the future here. Yeah, I remember reading that uh, Luke Fox article. It was great. It was awesome that you guys had him on the show, by the way, first and foremost. But you know what? Player-driven decision, you can see that. He got a taste of the NHL. He was good in the limited minutes he played uh, during the playoffs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you can tell, like, I think he's been here in the Toronto area. This is where he grew up, uh, just right here near Toronto. And he's been training for the NHL. Like, he'd obviously like to go represent his country one more time. But I I think it's just because he got that taste of NHL action that he wants to get back and really make a name for himself in the National Hockey League as a rookie. And, and you know what? If you read between the lines, guys, 
And we can obviously say this because we're not players, but like if we're just looking at all these rosters at the World Juniors, maybe Spencer Knight can steal a medal for Team USA, but I don't even see them meddling in this tournament. Like I hope they prove me wrong. Maybe Team USA wins the silver or wins the bronze, but like you just think like does Nick Robertson think that too? He'll never come out and say it, but like I probably see Russia or Canada winning the gold. Maybe the Finns or the Swedes end up winning a medal as well. Like I just can't see Team USA winning it. So player-driven decision definitely sounds right, and uh, excited to see number 89 suit up once again for the Leafs. It's the right call, and even if he doesn't end up making the Leafs full-time and plays 56 games and has a you know an amazing season, it's it's the right call. You know, it it, it shows where his passion is. And I think it's going to be way more beneficial to, for him to be a part of this intense camp. The compete level is going to be through the roof. And, you know, it's called the World Juniors. And he's mm-hmm. not a junior player anymore. Like, he is NHL capable. And by that virtue alone, I think it's probably a pretty easy decision for him, to be completely honest with you. You know what? He probably didn't even think about it too long, right? Like, he's ready to be on this Leafs team. And I'll ask you guys, like, if, if you're just looking at Robertson compared to another player that you can see being maybe on the third or fourth line, like you'd rather have Robertson in than Engvall. You'd rather have Robertson in than VC. You might even have Robertson in rather than a Wayne Simmons. Like this kid's just so exciting. He brings an energy to the game that not a lot of players can bring in the National Hockey League. We kind of saw Liam Foody bring that energy to the Columbus Blue Jackets last year. Another guy who was playing in the World Juniors for Canada last year and won a gold medal. Like These young players that come in, they just bring so much energy. And, and the older guys on the teams must love it because they were once that age and, and they remember coming to the NHL and just being so excited. So uh, I like that Robertson is shooting for a spot on the Leafs. I, I probably do see him making it. I can't see him not going to the World Juniors and being, let's just say, on the taxi squad because for the Leafs in their cap situation, I really don't think they're going to have that many scratches. Like on a regular team, you're going to have your 12 and 6, and then you'll probably have three scratches. The Leafs might not have as many players on their actual full roster plus taxi squad than most other teams. So I just can't see Kyle Dubas having him on the taxi squad, let's say. Uh, I think he does make this team uh, in the top 12. Now, I want to pivot over to Team Sweden. I always find they're one of the most interesting clubs going into this tournament, given the fact what they haven't lost a, uh, a uh, round-robin game in a decade or whatever it's been. But <laughs> it's uh, a lot of people seem to be sleeping on Sweden. I was just taking a peruse through the betting odds yesterday, and, you know, they, I think, had to, you know, I think they were probably fifth or sixth really ranked in odds. You know, I, I, and I almost threw some money down on them because I said, these guys are... are, are I figured they're going to at least get into the medal rounds and and compete for bronze at minimum. So why do you think some people are sleeping on the Swedes this time? It might just because of the whole COVID situation that went through Team Sweden over there in Sweden. Like uh, most of their coaching staff guys, I'm pretty sure, ended up testing positive. And you know what? They had to leave some players behind. But I think that might be why some players are sleeping on them. But you really can't sleep on a team that hasn't lost in the in the preliminary round in which feels like forever. So I'm definitely not sleeping on them. To me, uh, they're a team that is going to medal in this tournament, probably alongside Canada and Russia, if I had to predict. But uh, Philip Broberg, the, the uh, Edmonton Oilers prospect on the blue line, I think he's he was named the captain, and, and he's really going to lead them. Like They have so many good young prospects. You can go him, you go with Tobias Bjornford, who played a bit for the LA Kings last year, Victor Soderstrom as well. Uh, he's a Coyotes prospect. He looks really good. And um, another guy, another first rounder, we were talking about Marco Rossi a bit just earlier, but 
man, like how good is Lucas Raymond going to be for the Detroit Red Wings? Like they took him really early in the draft. Some people were surprised he maybe uh, didn't go closer to seven or eight. But Lucas Raymond, I think, is going to rip this tournament apart. I hope he really does because uh, the, way, the the highlights that I've seen from Lucas Raymond are off the charts. That's why he went so high in the draft. So uh, I don't know why people are really sleeping on them. Um, maybe it's their goaltender situation. Maybe between the pipes, they're they're not as as powerful and as strong as they were in the previous years. But uh, I think they'll be just fine. I think it's Hugo Affenfelt that might be their starting goaltender in the tournament, and um, it seems like they'll just be fine. They'll be just fine. He, he's played pretty well in the Swedish Hockey League. Yeah, and Swedish goaltenders are usually pretty strong. You know, especially in international play. Like anytime you're out there uh, in Team Sweden, and you say, "Hey, uh, let's let's have all the best goalies line up over here." I bet you a lot of those goalies you would love to have on your beer league team. Oh, without a doubt. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, even I'd if take any just, of those goalies yeah. online. <laughs> yeah. Even if he's never played before ever, just strap on the pads there and, and, and have a go at it, Henrik. I think you'll be all right. I think you made a good point earlier, Ty, about uh, perhaps the Russians having a bit more of an, ex- uh, an advantage because a lot of these guys are, you know, they're playing in the KHL or they're playing in the league just below it. And been, you know, they've been in a, uh, pro season pro environment playing hockey pretty consistently for a few months now where a lot of these guys who you know typically would be developing in the ohl again this year haven't played at all and this is the you know first taste of hockey that they're really going to get since you know for some guys i guess march of last uh of this year i think you'll see the russians shoot out of the gate really quickly like like if you guys watch russia's first game I think you'll be shocked at how good they are because they they mostly all played at the Corrala Cup together just a few weeks back where they ended up winning there. They won the Corrala Cup, uh, which is a little tournament over in Europe. But I think a lot of people will be shocked to be like, holy, like it's a Russian team that had such disappointment last year after leading that gold medal game to Canada and having to settle for for a silver medal. But and this team's so good. Like we already kind of talked about Amarov and Pod Colson, but um, they're going to be absolutely stacked. And, and I don't know if you guys are big uh, Mikhail Abramov fans. Uh, I think he played in the QMJHL, another Leafs draft pick. But uh, this guy is an NHL-caliber shot already. We can probably say that for a lot of prospects in the World Juniors. But um, I, I think this – and it's unfortunate, guys. I'm a Canadian like you. Um, if I was to predict, and I know Jake Kahn's a big better, it seems like you are a bit maybe less go. I'd be putting on, I'd be putting my money on Team Russia to win the gold medal. Like I want Canada to win, but if I was to actually put money down on a team, I think I would put money down on the Russians who have probably the best goalie in Askarov and probably uh, the best 12 forwards in the tournament uh, alongside Canada. Canada's stacked with all their first rounders, but when you go up and down the Russian roster, it's it's tough to find a weak spot. Come on, bud. You know that that's an emotional wager. <laughs> oh, for yeah. Like I, I, I want I want Canada to win. I, I want Canada to win with all my heart, but man, watching Russia, like watching some of these kids play, uh, you got to think it might be their time, especially with no fans in Edmonton. Like there's no... There's no home ice advantage for Team Canada in this one. We're not going to see the crazy Canadian fans, which we see almost every other year when the tournament's held up here in Canada. Like We're not going to see that, and a lot of those Russian kids are going to have the upper hand because they've been playing for so long, and a lot of the Canadians haven't played in months, guys. Some of those Canadian players haven't played in like eight or nine months, so that's why it might give them a bit of the advantage. And that might be an advantage as well for some of the European guys who are playing in the Swedish and Finnish leagues as well, I figure. Oh, I think it's a huge advantage for specifically the Russians. When you look at some of the incredible, you know, roller coaster games involving the Russians, it almost seems to be fueled by the energy in the building. 
Like mm-hmm. you can just sense when something's going wrong and then they get a little bit too cocky perhaps. And, and they you take know, a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> and then the penalties start coming and then they start getting chirped by the crowd. And then they're, then t- they, they the just completely unravel, man. And it's, you know, it's crazy. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, it's it's just all going to be about the the guys that are on the ice and on the benches and if they can you're right Ty like if they can uh, you know gather that in and keep their emotions in check and just let their skill do the talking they could be a, a huge threat and I actually wanted to see if you had any knowledge on the um, Columbus Blue Jackets first round pick Igor Chinikov if I might yeah. be saying that correctly. Um, I just wanted to see if you had any knowledge on that guy. Sorry if I'm bringing you in out of the cold there. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think it was a bit of a surprise first-round pick, and I know that a lot of people have their eyes on him going into this tournament. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a surprise first-round pick. A lot of those scouts didn't even really have him written down or, or on, their, um, on their sheets or whatever. But he's a guy that I started researching right after the Columbus Blue Jackets, Black Jackets took him 21st overall. And... If I were you guys, I'd I'd go on Twitter. I've been I follow the KHL quite a bit, just working at NHL Network Radio. It's it's kind of fun to talk about some of the Russian prospects. But watching this guy shoot the puck over in the KHL is unbelievable. I can see why Yarmo Kekalainen took him where he did in the draft. Um, but for what he was doing in the NHL, he's playing on a really good team in Omsk. Um, had eight goals in 27 games. I had to look that up, but I figured he had about eight to ten goals. Um, did Chinnikov, but um, it's a pick that Columbus Blue Jackets fans didn't really know much about, and I think they're going to be very, very happy. It looks like he he's almost NHL ready now, and a lot of these Russian players aren't going to come over to North America too quickly, but could be a, a coming out party for a guy like Chinnikov, for a guy like Amarov, for, for players like this who were drafted most recently in the first round um, by playoff teams in, in Toronto and Columbus. Uh, going to be an exciting time for for especially those two fan bases to watch those players on 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 the two favorites in the tournament in Canada and Russia. Man, this is going to be a fun tournament. Uh, excited to watch it. Now, do you figure there are some other guys, maybe some lesser knowns or some first year players there on Canada that are some guys to watch that you know some guys might not have heard of? I know we've heard of the you know the Byfields, the Drysdales, the the uh, Bowen Byrams, but you know who, who are some mm-hmm. players that maybe you're a little more interested in seeing that uh, might not be the mainstream names there for Team Canada. Yeah, I think Philip Tomasino has been an interesting name. Uh, unfortunately, I think he was practicing on that fourth line with Byfield and. I think uh, Andre Tourney might have him as like the 13th or 14th forward right now, but he's been killing it in the shootout. Uh, when Preds fans call in, I know they're really excited about Philip Tomasino, so uh, I hope he has a coming-of-age party. Uh, but you know what? A, a guy we haven't talked about is Jack Quinn, who's getting a shot playing with the two best players on the team in Dylan Cousins and Kirby Dock, uh, wearing number 29-2, which Jonathan Taves wore during um, that shootout, the shootout heroics uh, oh. way back when in the World Junior. So uh, I'm a fan of any Canadian player that wears number 29 in the World Junior. So uh, I think we see a lot from Jack Quinn. Buffalo Sabres fans are, are pumped to have him, are pumped to have Dylan Cousins and in Ottawa, the fold. And Ottawa Valley natives. Yes, Local exactly. product. Exactly. So uh, for me, Jack Quinn's an exciting one, uh, playing on the left wing on that top line. And even Connor Zary, uh, a guy that kind of dropped just a bit in the draft. Calgary Flames fans are excited about him. Uh, he'll be wearing number nine, so a sniper's number at the tournament for Team Canada. Uh, I think us Canadians have uh, a lot of ex- expectations with a lot of jersey numbers that are worn for the, the players, too. You guys are, know I'm big into jersey numbers. So Connor Zary wearing number nine. Uh, should produce big things. So maybe Zary, maybe Jack Quinn. Uh, and I'm just hoping that you mentioned him, Lesko. I'm just hoping Quinton Byfield is like the best player in the tournament. He went second overall to LA. He was pretty much invisible 
during the tournament last year and I think got one shift in the gold medal game against Russia. So uh, I hope for me as a hockey fan, as a Canadian hockey fan, that Quentin Byfield is somehow the best player in the tournament. He might be starting as the fourth line center, which for me is, is kind of disappointing. Would have liked to see him maybe be in the top six. And, and I guess that the lines might not be numbered at the end of the day, but uh, uh, Quentin Byfield, just a, another name where as hockey fans going second overall, you're, you're expecting a lot from him and, and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I think that's an interesting name to bring up. And, and I said I did see the lines uh, that they had, I guess, on the board in practice or whatever it was the other day. So I was a bit surprised to see a second overall pick that far down uh, in the lineup. So yeah, I, I think you're right that he has a lot to prove, given that he did not play a large role on that team previously. And, you know, being one of the more highly touted players here, uh, that he's really might even have a bit of a chip on his shoulder and, and could be one of those guys that, you know, is down in the lineup and then battles his way up throughout the tournament and, and starts to make a bigger name for himself. And, and that's one of the beauties of this tournament, right? Is, is guys make their names in this tournament. And, you know, you mentioned Jack Quinn and, and we're all here in the Ottawa Valley, I think very excited for him and to see him get an opportunity, especially given he, he is a bit of a dark horse in the fact that he's never even been to a hockey Canada, a camp or event or anything previously in his career. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him play and, and see if he actually can stick on that top line because I know he's got the finish out there and I think that's probably why they have him slotted there and that's what they're looking for. It's crazy that guys kind of develop this way. Like it's crazy what you just said that he never really threw on a Team Canada sweater before when uh, he absolutely rips it up um, in junior and then is picked in the first round by the Buffalo Sabres. So yeah, he's exciting but just kind of going back to Byfield there, let's go like this guy has to rip it up, doesn't he? Like LA Kings fans aren't probably excited about much this year but one of the main things they're excited about is to see Quinton Byfield possibly as their second or third line center behind Ajay Kopitar they're expecting him to be the predecessor to Kopitar who's been there for so long it has now been the captain for a couple of years they want Quinton Byfield to be a dominant player in the National Hockey League and and that's who you're supposed to draft at number two overall so we'll see if he can do some damage maybe on the power play we, we didn't really see him get too many special teams opportunities in the tournament last year just because he really was just kind of off his game, which was kind of shocking to me. But um, it's going to be fun to follow some of those storylines. And uh, I guess a quick plug here, too, while we're talking about the World Juniors, former captain uh, back a couple of years ago, Maxime Comtois, the Anaheim Ducks prospect who was playing pretty well for the Ducks last year. Uh, he'll be on our show tomorrow morning, boys, if you want to tune in. Uh, at 11.35 Eastern time in the morning, uh, we'll have Maxime Comtois on the show talking about uh, his world junior experience. Uh, sure. It'll be fun talking to him. He was the captain when they ended up losing and not meddling, but was on the team previous when they ended up winning the gold. So uh, he'll, he'll probably have some good world junior stories. Nice. Have to tune into that for sure. Um, I was wondering, Ty, if you think that the LA Kings could basically just ice their own world juniors team and play against <laughs> everyone else. Yeah, they, they probably could. They have like a thousand players, don't they? Like, we already brought up two of them Byfield. Uh, we brought up Tobias Bjornford as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. There's been quite a few na name drops for the LA Kings, and I mean, to be completely honest with you, though, you you know, all joking aside, it's uh, it's got to be exciting for you know their fan base to to think of you know what the future holds and and to watch these players uh, you know play and and hopefully develop at a tournament like like this. It's what happens well, when your team stinks. You watch your World Juniors, like how many guys we got in this tournament? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when well, we yeah. sucked and Marner and Matthews were in the tournament. That's all I wanted to watch. <laughs> oh, 100%. And LA Kings fans, they're still kind of coming off the high of winning all those Stanley Cups. Like, they're not really used to this right now of 
maybe being a bottom feeder team out there in, in the, the Western Conference when things are normal, the Pacific. But um, yeah, when you're looking at Tobias Bjornfort, when you're looking at Quinton Byfield, even on Team Finland, we were kind of talking about Brad Lambert there. A guy that's getting a shot on the top line is Casper Simon Tival. So We'll see how he does. I probably butchered his name right there, but a uh, right winger that a lot of LA Kings fans are really pumped up about. And as Leaf fans, for you guys, like you're probably pumped up to see some Toppy Niemela. Like you're probably pumped oh, yeah. up to see some of these Leafs prospects playing on Team Finland. Uh, Finland, I think, might have one of the more underrated skilled rosters in the tournament. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they do. I think Martin Kromiak's one of the other uh, Kings prospects that they'll have on Team Slovakia, where I don't know about you guys. I watch every single game and I'm um, glued to the television. And uh, you end up remembering a lot of these guys down the road. Like you're watching like a random guy in the NHL three years later. And you're like, oh, yeah, that guy played for like Team Slovakia a couple of years ago. I yeah, wonder yeah. where I heard that name. Yeah, well, I actually, that's a good transition. I was going to ask you about the goaltending specifically for Team Canada. And the way I was going to seg- segue was how much I find goaltenders really seem to stick out for me. Oh, yeah, I remember how he tore it up in, in the World Juniors. Like, there you go. What happened to that guy? Or what happened to that guy? Which yeah, that seems sh- to happen sure more enough. often than you think. You see a Canadian goalie go 5-0 and and, and post a 960 and then never make the NHL, you're shocked. Yeah, Justin Pogge has entered the <laughs> chat. <laughs> he was playing in, like, Italy or something, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't know. You you, you might have went over and played some uh, pond hockey with him and lit him up there on, on, in the streets of Italy. Yeah, I wish, man. I wish I was playing. I wish I was playing, like, fifth division in, like, Naples, Italy or something. That would just be the life. Like, you'd actually be a celebrity over there. But, yeah, you know what? Speaking of goaltending, Canada obviously isn't in the top three uh, conversation when you're talking about the three goaltenders they're bringing to Edmonton but uh, I think Devin uh, Levi's end up going to be the guy like he was playing in the CCHL which uh, not a lot of people really know about playing for the Carlton Place Canadians but uh, this guy was like putting up ridiculous numbers in the CCHL so getting a shot here most likely will be the starting goaltender barring something unforeseen like maybe Dylan Grant who was drafted by the New York Rangers ends up taking the reins we, we kind of saw some different things with Team Canada last year with with Joel Hofer in between the pipes, but uh, they really haven't had an elite goaltender since a couple years ago when they lost, actually, when they didn't win a gold medal, when they had Carter Hart in between the pipes, actually, that that team I just brought up that Maxime Comtois was on. Uh, So I think goaltending, will it be an issue, though, for me? No, because if any of these goaltenders on Canada allows three goals in the first period, do you really expect Team Canada's forwards not to score those three goals back within the matter of like 10 minutes or less? Like It's going to happen with how many first-round picks and uh, elite forwards they have on this team. So I just don't think goaltending is going to be an issue. But once again, the, the weak spot for Canada, and uh, I hope it doesn't come up as a storyline. I'm really pumped that you uh, believe it to be Levi because I've seen him up close and personal all kinds of times at the Pembroke Memorial Center playing against our Lumber Kings. And like he's just he's just unbeatable. Like he looked like a robot. Well, we've got his stats here too. Yeah, thir- as well. seriously, yeah. eh? Thirty-four, two, and one was his record, <laughs> and he had a one-four-seven GAA and a nine-forty-one save percentage, and was league MVP. Wow. Like he just stopped everything. It was insane. I, th- I I honestly think the Lumber Kings got shut out by him every time he was in town. Well, and Carlton Place Wait. has been dominant for years, too. Like, they've been a pretty strong team in this league. Yeah, so. they're Keefe's Lumber Kings. Jason Clark is pulling a Sheldon Keefe what he did with the Lumber Kings. Jason Clark is doing that right now in Carlton Place. I and has been for five years. It's unprecedented to even see a, a, a player from this league invited to the World Juniors, let alone go in and potentially be the starting goaltender for Canada. 
Wait, let me just put two and two together. So Carleton University is out there in Ottawa. So Carleton Place must be out there in Ottawa. I'm just kind of yeah, just putting a, these together. Yeah, that's correct. Head, like, yeah, yeah. It's okay, just so what, uh, just, just outside of Ottawa. Yeah, just outside yeah. Ottawa. Okay, because I'd never really heard of Carleton Place really until I was uh, searching up really when the goaltenders were announced, like who this guy actually was, and that he was a, a seventh round pick by the Florida Panthers. Um, but yeah, that that's crazy. You you've actually got to see him play. That's awesome. I'm excited to see him play and. As I said, I do think he'll be the starter. You're talking about him being like a robot. That's what you kind of want an elite goaltender to be. Like we see Andre Vasilevsky at times, and you're like, is this guy like a mechanical goalie? Like the way he <laughs> moves uh, himself in the net and and really stretches out his body. Like you don't even think that's possible at times. But uh, we're hoping for for Team Canada's sake that that Levi can do this. And uh, don't think he'll be playing in the CCHL much more often. Like obviously that league's probably not playing right now with the the COVID restrictions and whatnot. But haven't even really looked up that league until i heard of levi yeah you don't see a hell of a lot of players who get drafted out of it i I mean even the most recent one i can think of is probably uh kelly summers who got drafted from the carlton place canadians as well as uh matthew pekka i guess going back to tampa bay lightning several years it's like the bchl kind of sort of yeah it's 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 a hockey factory for sure but they definitely turn most of their players in you know they'll spend a year there a young guy might come in at 16 play a half dozen games get drafted in the O and you never see him again so it's it's interesting that some of these guys will make a quick name for themselves advance along but uh it seems this kid's definitely put himself on a fast track I mean, he better have i think florida panthers want to see that with the way that sergey Bobrovsky played last season oh. but come uh, on ty uh, you're a big fan of watching hockey and watching these young players just use your credentials to get a hockey tv subscription you can watch me broadcast lumber kings games <laughs> i say dude if you, there's ever a link or something or if i have to get a subscription i guess i will but send me some links man i want to hear some good play-by-play calls oh i have a few bud i mean you open pandora's but i'll send you a couple i got a couple Do of it. Be- yeah. don't, you have, of don't you have a reel for like for your audition tape or well something? i yeah i mean easy now like i it wasn't yeah okay yeah I was keeping them. I was keeping them handy. Give us a top ten on YouTube or something. Yeah, Josh, put those on YouTube, man. Like oh. me and Jake have some calls from college where we were broadcasting men's and women's soccer games up here at York University yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. They're deep on YouTube somewhere. I think we were having a couple beers one night, and like we searched up on YouTube and somehow found them. Like they are hilarious calls. Like we were just college kids, right? Kind of getting our feet wet in yeah, yeah. broadcasting and doing some play-by-play in color. And man, like we were a team. Uh, as a play-by-play and color commentary for uh, for soccer, it was pretty funny. Like that's why I want to hear some of your calls because, well, you're more of a professional at it than we were in college. But um, I'm sure you have some great calls, man. Give me some like golosos uh, in in hockey. That's never <laughs> that's never been said before. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, man. I'll I'll, I'll scrounge a few up together. I, I got a couple that I'm pretty proud of. It, it, it's super fun to do, man. Like uh, people always ask me, like, oh, 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 and they they pay you for that, and it's like, no, like, no. No. They don't pay a junior A guy to do broadcasts. Like, I, I don't have to pay to get into the games. And, mm. like, I get to go up there and, and do it. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should be getting paid, but I don't care. Like, it's just I fun. think any of us would do that job for free. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so fun to, to, to do, man, to be a part of it. And, like, and, and I kind of caught the tail end of the Keefe years. Like, I was doing play-by-play for the last two years of his time there, I think. And, like, it was pretty archaic. Like, we only had one mic and the guy that did the arena announcements, like like the PA guy, he mm-hmm. 
did the play-by-play and I was doing color, but then he'd have to announce penalties and announce goals and, you know, announce that someone <laughs> has to move their vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And like, and like, what do you do in dead air? So like, I was like, <laughs> let me do the thing and you do the color because you can focus on PA. And, and he was like, yeah, sure. We're on board with that. Boom. I jumped into the play-by-play and, and, and never looked back, but it was really, there's been some unbelievable moments like deep in the oh, triple overtime and winning it nice. in the playoffs and stuff. Like it's pretty sweet. It's a lot of fun. Josh, who has to move their vehicle during a hockey game? Well, I mean, come on, the PM man. (laughs) You don't know where the PMC is, bro. Okay. (laughs) People blocking like the fire hydrants. Yeah, where are they parking? (laughs) Yeah, it's a terrible, it's a terrible spot to park at. It's it's right downtown, (laughs) so like there's. You know, there's a decent lot for a minor hockey game, but you bring out, <laughs> you know, you bring out the the Lumber Kings on a Sunday night. You got the team buses eating up half the parking lot. Yeah, you've got the the Kojiko uh, cable Kojiko. truck there, like yeah, eating up true. another three spaces. So, and the the veterinarian hospital will give you a fucking ticket if you park in their lot. Yeah, a guy got hit in the oh, street the other day too, or not oh, the other day, man. a couple of years ago. A guy got hit. By someone coming out of a parking lot in the street. So yeah, that was a bad time. It's a little bit chaotic Jesus. down there sometimes. Yeah, that was a bad time. But yeah, man, like that was off on a tangent, but I love it. I want to do some Googling myself and see some of those highlights with you and Jay Khan, the man rock. No, don't don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's definitely well, worth I, it. At one at one point, Jake will find it, like we had like a, a wasp counter. There were like wasps up in our booth, and like <laughs> the game was like zero zero, like seventieth minute. Or should I say nil nil? I guess for soccer, but like we're right. and like Jake like killed a wasp. And we we're just like, oh, there's another one. There's another wasp for the counter. Like, <laughs> and like we're just like get us through this game. Like get us a goal at least. But man, th- those were the days. I, I I miss doing play. Like I wish I could do play by play at this point, but uh, I don't think it's in the cards for me at uh, any point in the future. Oh, it's nice to uh, with the soccer there. I guess you have to find some way to keep it interesting, and the, the wasp yep. will do that for you. Maybe a couple pops on your way up to the booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had those usually the night before, and then uh, driving up to that, uh, the games were tough. Well, listen, Ty, uh, I really want to thank you again for joining us here on the Pucks and D podcast. Hope we didn't steal up too much of your time this evening. No, not at all, man. It's always a pleasure to join you guys, especially right before the uh, the World Juniors gets underway on uh, on Christmas. I know I'm almost looking forward to the tournament more than Christmas itself. So, uh, <laughs> pump true. for that. Uh, pump for the uh, the. You know what? We, Canada Russia preliminary. Like as I said, I usually don't watch these kind of quote-unquote meaningless games or exhibition games, but um, I'd almost pay to watch this Canada-Russia game, which I think is tomorrow night as a Raptors game as well, but uh, I think Canada-Russia might have to take precedence on that. So yeah, it's always a pleasure joining you guys. I love listening to the pods, especially when the man rocket himself, Jake Hahn, is on, but I hope you guys both have a a good Christmas with your families and and a happy new year, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk uh, soon into that new year. Hey, you as well, Ty. Merry Christmas to you and all yours, and stay safe, and definitely we'll be talking to you in the new year here, And, and since we probably won't be talking to you before the puck drops on the season, let's just get a little feel for how you think this is going to shape out here. Like who do you think's going deep and is there going to be any kind of, you know, surprises or shenanigans that you might want to go on a limb and say, this team's going to break through and be right there in the final. Ooh, I like that. Well, I'll start with a negative one. Like, for one, I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are making the top four in the North Division. Um, that's a prediction I'm not willing to put money down on, but I just don't trust the Edmonton Oilers defensively and in between the pipes and under guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, where they really have nothing else. Like I know Nugent Hopkins is there, but uh, that would be a, a one prediction I guess I would go with that the Edmonton Oilers don't make it in the top four 
in that division. I don't really see even Vancouver making it after the fun run that they had in the playoffs last year. But like, it's easy to it's easy to say Tampa Bay Lightning are going to go far again because we kind of talked about them as an absolute wagon and we think that they're going to go far. But I'll, I'll say this: I'll say the Chicago Blackhawks make things interesting, and that they even take it down to like the last few days of the regular season battling for that fourth spot in their division. I, their goaltending might be a bit terrible with Subban and Delia and like Kevin Lankinen, who we don't even really know who he is yet. But <laughs> I, I like the Chicago Blackhawks, man. I think Kane and Taves, like Seabrook, if he gets to play at some point, Duncan Keith, I think those guys are going to be fired up by really Stan Bowman, really not doing anything in between the pipes and, and letting Corey Crawford, one of their best friends, go. So I think the veterans on that Hawks team are going to be pumped up. We we saw my prediction came true when they eliminated the Edmonton Oilers um, in the playoffs. So uh, was was excited when that happened. But I think that's one for me. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on the Chicago Blackhawks. They, back to they the might well. not go far if they make it, but uh, I, I might have them making the playoffs, guys. Yeah, right uh, back to the well. I like it. I was kind of hoping maybe you might jump on the New York Rangers train because I think they're getting a lot of looks too. I'm a big Rangers fan. I like what they're doing, but man, like that division is tough. Like the Penguins might not even make it. I, I just think the Islanders make it. I think the Bruins make it. I think the Flyers make it. Is there going to be enough room for the New York Rangers? Shesterkin will make it interesting if he's healthy all year. Uh, I think he could turn out to be one of the better talented goalies in the National Hockey League, but I'd like to get on that train right now, but uh, I kind of want to see more from the New York Rangers uh, and, and their younger younger team first. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a team to watch. And I like how you're high on the Blackhawks potentially making some noise because, you know, I think those guys still have something left in the tank to give, something left to prove, so to speak. And uh, I think when the Blackhawks are performing well, it's good for hockey overall. So, you, you guys got one? Oh, that's tough. Let's you know, go. On the spot. On the spot. On the spot. Okay. I like it. All right. You want to go? Well, I wanted to, <laughs> I, I wanted to say quickly, uh, Ty's prediction was the official 2021 first overall pick, Owen Power going to the Edmonton Oilers is going to be his prediction, I guess. Oh, eh? man. They could use him. They could use him. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right, man. I, you know what, dude? On the spot prediction myself, like – I, I, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that the Rangers can do it. I, that's why I kind of fed you that at the end was mm-hmm. the Rangers. Like I I don't know if it's a it's a surprise. I can't say that it qualifies as like a sleeper pick or something. But I don't think it's chalky necessarily. I'm just really excited to watch. Like I don't know if I'm going to go on the limb and say they're going to make a final or or win a division or something. But I'm really interested. I, I can't wait to watch all the games. But I'm really really interested to watch these Ranger games. I'm going to throw it over to the St. Louis Blues. I don't think that's a bold statement either given obviously they're two years removed from a Stanley Cup at this point but I really like the signing they made bringing you know letting uh, unfortunately letting their captain walk but bringing in uh, Tory Krug as well I think that's a huge addition and now all of a sudden with Alex Dean's retirement they've they've got a little bit of cap space a luxury that a lot mm-hmm. of those upper echelon teams don't have so expect them to make a little bit of noise and they're also in a division where it feels like it's anybody's anybody's division to win so i could see them making some noise and potentially gearing up for another deep cup run this season they're signing mike hoffman guys book it book yeah it. i don't see why not all right perfect more predictions from tyler Matteraz. <laughs> all right ty listen merry christmas and uh, happy new year bud and we'll uh, stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon Yep, same to you guys, and uh, enjoy the World Juniors. I know I will, and enjoy NHL hockey when it's uh, when it's finally back, man. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk soon. All right, cheers, buddy. Thanks a lot, Ty. Cheer, cheer, cheers, guys. All right, well, Tyler Matteras joining us again here on the Pucks and D podcast can be found daily 
on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio Channel 91. Or That's can, how you say it. Yes. Yeah, I know. That, that one's always a tough one to get out. Like, it took me a while to, to be able to... Even when I'm telling people, oh, I'm having uh, Tyler Batteras on the show from Sirius and... Serious XM NHL <laughs> Radio Channel 91. I did it earlier. This Co-host episode. of the morning skate. <laughs> I know. You know. Yeah, and you can also find him on Twitter at TylerMatteras47. Give him a follow. Check out the show. These guys bring it each and every day on the radio. And I can't wait for the morning skate to be back because it's my favorite thing to listen to on the way to work. Yeah, you you, well, you're up that you early. Get, you didn't get the highlights, say, with your breakfast in TSN. These guys go through game by game. They break it down. They give you what happened, who got injured, who scored, everything you need to know. So if you are a serious subscriber, um, absolutely check them out. I guess we can free plug Sirius because they've been so generous with the guests here. So, I mean... That's yeah, I don't know how that works. Like, I don't, I don't know. We should ask him. I mean, he would tell us. Like, like, do they, do they not want you to be on shows? I mean, it's your life. You can do no, whatever you want. Your views are your own. Yeah. Obviously, he wouldn't do it if they wouldn't want him to do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think they care. I don't think he has an agent steering him away from it either. So, yeah, Ty, give me a call. Be your agent, bud. No problem. You know I can gab. <laughs> figure it out. All, All right. right. Well, you ready for Christmas or what? I realized today that you're not that I did not get my own father a present. Ooh, man, parents are hard to buy for because they don't parents, want your money or your they stuff. They don't want your shit. They you don't know, want. They your don't want shit. your fucking macaroni necklaces and whatever. Oh, maybe that's so what I'll like, get them. It, and how do you buy for somebody who has the means to get what they need when they need it or what they want when they want it? It's I always tough, and, and and you know it requires thought and and something. You know, at the end of the day, they probably want something that that's meaningful as opposed to flashy or whatever. And it's not like we got that kind of money anyway. So, well, like I, I said to I said to Kirsty, like, okay, they have coffee together every morning before my mom goes to work. So let's get them a nice little bundle, like some fresh, like some nice coffee from yeah. one of the store local stores here, like, um, you know, and, and a couple things and the, whatever, you know. Yeah. But then I like. I guess that counts for both of them. And then we were talking about it in the kitchen. She goes, you didn't get anything for your dad. And I'm like, well, I thought we got the thing together. <laughs> and she's like, I told you in the store that this wasn't good enough for both of them. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so it like, didn't meet the threshold of being a joint gift. I, I guess not. Jesus. I guess not. So now I'm on the hook and I'm sitting in there and I'm trying to get everything like ready for Christmas. We, you know, we have the podcast. Not to say that this is work. I love doing this. But we got the podcast. Like This is consuming a bit of my most of my evening here tonight. I know. I got shit so I got to get ready. And, and and you're throwing this on me now that I have to get a fucking gift for my dad like tomorrow. I had a couple things. Though. I got to wrap some presents. I picked up my wife's last one tonight. Um, I've got to pick up, yeah, wrap some wrapping paper and a couple odds ends tomorrow, but I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I, I'm not, you know, thankfully, and I think because the pandemic forced me to do some online shopping this year and, and kind of think ahead and take care of things for once because right. you know there's a lot of years where I've been doing the Christmas Eve the day before Christmas Eve going to eight different stores you know figure it out you know I, I'm always like going to the pet store the day before to buy stocking stuffers for my dogs and like <laughs> shit like that so I, I mean, don't know it's crazy time, man. I got everything done online myself. It was just click, go, click, go, yeah. click, go, click. Can't go. really argue with that. No, and I mean it's too bad though, dude, because I really do enjoy keeping my money local. And I mean, I could have just, yeah, I could have just got gift certificates too. But then the other thing is, is I, I, as much as I want to support local business, I, I don't want to give a gift card. 
Like right. I, I do want to, I do want to say like, oh, I, I yeah. found this gift. I, I know I didn't find it on the shelf, but I think a, but a I found it on the virtual shelf. A gift card for somewhere local, though, at least is meaningful because you like know someone likes that restaurant or yeah, that but you can't go in store. now. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is true. Can you imagine you got everybody just a handful of restaurant gift cards, and it's like, well. Or like a gift card to Prairie and Luna, the new cannabis store, yeah. like or or whatever. Like you can't go anywhere, but you can give them a fucking ticket to the liquor store. That'll be open, guaranteed. I guess, and nobody's gonna cry about that. <laughs> no, but it's I, it is disappointing though, because like I I got a few gift cards there uh, for a couple restaurants that I like, and it's like, do I really want to use it on takeout? Like, uh, and I guess there's no hurry to spend it because it's already cash in hand, but. I don't know. That's a good you question, said, though. You can't go wrong, and I always try it. try and, and pick up a few different uh, items from a few different local spots. So it's 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 never hard to find. Anyway, we're pretty blessed in our small town of Pembroke that there are a number of wonderful boutique shops for you to check out and, and restaurants and all that. If you're ever in the area, if we are ever allowed to travel outside our local health jurisdiction ever again, so, come to Pembroke. Yeah, just don't come right now. Yeah, don't come now. Especially if you're from Southern Ontario, you stay the fuck down there. Yeah, we love you, Ty, but don't, you know. Yeah. We might continue to do these remotely for the foreseeable future. So uh, next podcast next year, folks. Uh, Really appreciate you guys tuning in. It's been another very successful year on the Pucks and Deep podcast. I just wanted to thank you all from the bottom of our hearts. Um, Hope everyone has a safe, wonderful, happy holiday. Have a couple for me while you're at it. Try and stay safe and uh, stay home, I guess, if you can, if you're able to. And, and you know, really just take the time to appreciate what you have and appreciate the time you get to spend with your loved ones because, obviously, it's something we realize we've taken for granted for quite some time and circumstances really change perspectives. But, you know, it's, it's, it's at least we have some time off to enjoy ourselves and, and try and watch some hockey and, and think about better days ahead. All right, well said, my friend. Enjoy the hockey, enjoy the holiday season, and enjoy the Pucks and Deep podcast. Maybe a little bit of playback. I enjoy it. Maybe a little bit of online shopping. We enjoy it. We hope you do too. Maybe a little bit of reviews. Tunes are good. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. All right, see you guys next year. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs>